You ask really hard questions. <laughs> we don't make it easy for them to see the connections and nor do we make it easy for students to see how what they are learning applies to life outside of school. Pauline, it's a very compelling argument for change. You're listening to a Core Education podcast, pushing the boundaries of educational possibility. Kia ora, my name's Anarua and I'm joined by Pauline Moore. We both work for Core Education. Kia ora, Pauline. Kia ora. Today we're talking about problem-based learning and Pauline, secondary schools are talking about how to shift to a more student-centred learning environment. Now, I've heard lots of different terms being used and it all seems a bit confusing. I agree. When I first started looking into this, I found terms like inquiry-based, mm-hmm. phenomenon-based, challenge-based, project-based, and problem-based learning labels. Wow. And other terms like impact, impact projects and passion projects were also used. But basically, they all provide opportunities for students to lead their own learning, and they're largely differentiated by who is in charge. Okay. For example, in project-based learning, the teacher defines the problem and identifies the action steps. In problem-based learning, it's the learner who identifies the problem to be investigated and the action. Mm -hmm. But it sort of seems that the term PBL has become a catch-all name for these approaches. Ah, okay, so I like that. So, secondary school. So, what do you think might be the right approach for a secondary school? Mm, Big question, the right approach. (laughs) It's the one that works for learners. Okay. That is, it helps them develop the skills and the dispositions that will assist them to be successful and one that engages them in learning to the extent that they want to dig deep into an issue. Mm -hmm. And of course, it all needs to align with the school's vision and values for learning. Okay, so picking up on that last point you just made there about the school's vision and values, can you tell me more about, about that point, about the school's vision and values? Yeah, well, schools often have vision or mission statements that Mm -hmm. refer to things like achievement, success, potential, lifelong learners, global citizens, problem solvers, etc. Mm -hmm. But it's not always possible, however, to see how those aspirations for learners are being realised. For example, what does a lifelong learner or a global global citizen look like at the classroom level? Mm -hmm. Success often measured in terms of NCA achievement only. And we know now that this is only one way of defining achievement. So developing a learner-centred curriculum can bring the school's vision and values to life. Ah, vision and values should be the filter that all curriculum changes go through. Hmm. Okay. So how, this differ? How, do, how does this differ from what secondary schools traditionally do? Well, remember what school was like at secondary. The curriculum's been divided up into s- subjects. Students move from class to class, you know, period one, it's maths, period two, Mm -hmm. it's English, and so on. So learners develop the idea that their subjects are unrelated. We don't make it easy for them to see the connections, and nor do we make it easy for students to see how what they are learning applies to life outside of school. I think it'd be fair to say that we have largely lost sight of the vision and values and key competencies Mm -hmm. provided by the NZC. Or if they've been thought about, it's generally just by teachers. Learners haven't often been party to the conversation about how they develop the key competencies. We're largely preparing students for an unknown future. Mm. The impact of technology is dramatic. All the research tells us that it's more important for students to know how to learn. They need to be curious and creative, adaptable and resilient. Mm -hmm. And they're more likely to develop these skills and dispositions if they lead their own learning than with a teacher up the front telling them what to do. (laughs) Pauline, that's a... Very compelling argument for change. So, 
haven't taken the decision to adopt a learning a learner centered curriculum or delivery model that gives learners more say in what and how they learn, where do you think schools should start? You ask really hard questions. <laughs> Once the school can answer the why and how questions, mm -hmm. um, the work of Dr Julie Atkin yes. is a good reference point for grappling with this question. The what is pretty straightforward. There are some logistical things to decide, like how much time is going to go into this approach. Many secondary schools have started in the junior school with year nine. Um, some schools have allocated a line of the timetable, say four hours a week. Others a whole day or a particular term to engage in some form of problem-based learning. Others have taken a term-by-term -term thematic approach with faculty deciding on an overarching theme, you know, the big idea, and students choosing an area of interest that relates to the theme. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's subject-based and other times a more integrated approach has been taken. And of course, for other schools, their whole curriculum delivery model is in problem-based format. So the decision will be the framework that will inform all the other decisions that have to be made. You've been listening to a Core Education podcast pushing the boundaries of educational possibility.